Cole, we are about to talk about the greatest conference in all of college football. And that's right. It's not the SEC. What? It's not the Big Ten. What? It is the Big 12. The Big One, Two. What? Yeah. Yeah. Woo! All right. All right. Stop before we get copyright claims. So so much, so much wrestling. Okay. Anyways, so... Coming out a little a little bit later on the episode rather than Thursday morning, you're going to get this on Saturday morning. But that's okay. Your Saturday morning cartoons with Owen and Cole. Um, this is 1969 all over again. Um, <laughs> anyways, so many inside jokes. Um, I love to be a part of one someday. You know, so there's there's that. Oh, so that way you could actually like understand them. Yeah. At Michael Scott. All right. <laughs> you never watched The Office, so you don't get I, that reference. I have never watched The Office. <laughs> I understood that never. reference. Jay's giving me a big thumbs up here uh, in the booth. So Yeah, we got JTC back in the studio. Yep. Yep. He's our uh, one and only. Yep. Oh, Simmer Down. Simmer down. Oh, we already Simmer got down. Simmer Down. Yep. Oh, wow. Okay. Anyways, guys, uh, this whole cold open has been nothing about college football, but everything about it. All our inside jokes here yeah. between the three of us. No, but 100%. you know, it's perfectly fine. Um, but we are going to talk about the Big 12. We're going to do a rundown the same way that we did the ACC and the Big 10. Uh, but it's the Big 12's turn. So for that, I'm Owen Spelling. My name's Cole Connor. And this is the Big 12 edition of the Panther Pod. Okay. So, to get into things, I would like to start us off. But I'm not going to start us off with the team that you think we're going to start off with. Oh, yeah, well, because you're saving the best for last, obviously. Maybe. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. Sometimes I get a little superstitious, I'm not going to lie. And um, I'm not superstitious. I'm a little stitious. Um, <laughs> again, watch the show, Cole. Anyways. Never. Anyways. Um, I'm a little superstitious about putting them last because if I put them last then maybe they'll finish last and I don't want that to happen so we're going to find out how this goes right now I have them I think listed as the second team regardless Big 12 media days came out on July 12th um, some big things announced Brett Yormark was uh, who is heading into his second year as commissioner announced that there would be a brand change the Big 12 is getting a new logo next year oh wow I wonder if it will even be called the Big 12 considering that the four corner schools have officially or not officially joined but they have applied and been accepted and will officially join as of July 1st of 2024 next year so that means Colorado Utah and both the Arizona schools will be coming to the Big 12 next year it definitely raises a question for me um, if you're going to start this rebranding initiative What's and I, I know this is a little off topic and kind of a tangent for mm-hmm. us, but with all the reshuffling in college football currently and realignment and everything, do you think that we're going to see maybe the Big Ten change its name like um, to like the Big Sixteen or the Big Twelve change its name to like the Big Eighteen or something like that? You know, I don't know. I've always, I've wondered too because it spreads across. Three time zones, maybe four, depending on how Arizona. Mm-hmm. Arizona doesn't recognize daylight savings time, so they switch time zones at some point in time during the year. It's a weird thing. Uh, I thought you're, maybe th- you're essentially doing daylight savings time at that point, then. Kind of, but I'm saying they don't. They don't recognize it. Either they don't recognize it, or they don't. I think they just go by standard time. It's a. It's a e- weird. Okay. It's a weird thing. Anyways. Um, you you are spread across three different time zones, Eastern, 
Central, and Mountain Time. All right. Sometimes Pacific because of the Arizona schools. That's right. neither here nor there. Um, I, I suggest that it be the Great American Conference, the GAC. That would be cool. Um, you can't really go like you could do. I just I would assume just quit doing numbers at this point. What about like the Mid American? Because everyone's kind of in that same. You already area. have the Mid American. Oh yeah, the Mac. Yeah, yeah. Way to go, Cole. I already botched it. Already, already. Yeah, we're like three minutes in, and I've already botched this entire episode. Wow. Yeah, good job. That's awesome. Good job, Cole. That's awesome. Um, copyright issues right there. While we're at it, why don't we not just call it the uh, American Athletic Conference? Oh wait. I, oh wait. Oh wait. What about Conference USA? Oh the wait. Sun that's where you oh. take it. I w- yes. Yeah. Okay. Soccer. <laughs> I just hope, call I it hope FIFA. we. I hope we got that on the mic. I hope there's a little bit of a whoop for that for Jay. Um. Anyways, Big Twelve preseason poll came out. Uh, Cole, say it with me. At number one, horns down. Uh, number one is Texas. They get forty first. Forty one. They they get forty one first place votes. Second place is Kansas State, uh, last year's Big Twelve champs. Not TCU, by the way. They beat TCU. They beat the Horned Frogs in the championship game. However, TCU did go on to play for a national championship. Got walloped by Georgia, but it's Georgia. Honestly, if Kansas State would have been in that game versus TCU, the same exact thing would have happened. And technically it did because they did go play Alabama in the Sugar Bowl and they did get mollywhopped in the Sugar Bowl. So there's that. Um, Kansas State is picked second. Uh, Number three is Oklahoma. Number four is Texas Tech. Number five is TCU. Disrespect. Disrespect. But TCU also loses a lot. They lose Max Duggan. They lose Max Duggan, but but they bring in Chandler. We'll talk about TCU a little bit more, but they will bring in Chandler Morris, who was supposed to be the starter before he got hurt last year. I mean, you still have Sonny Dykes. You still have Sonny Dykes. Um, number six is Baylor. Number seven is Oklahoma State. Number eight is UCF. Number nine is Kansas. Number 10, Iowa State. Number 11, BYU. Number 12, Houston. Number 13, Cincinnati. And last but certainly not least, my one and only West Virginia Mountaineers. Yeah, um, I saw – I, you know, the one thing this podcast has made me do is expand my horizons in college football. And when I saw that number 14 in the Big 12 was uh, West Virginia, I – was almost tempted to reach out to you and offer my condolences. Thank because you. Because that was just straight up disrespectful. The utter, the utter disrespect. The utter disrespect. Is Especially, it accurate? Yeah. No. Cincinnati's <laughs> the worst. T- I, I'll say this. I think we are certainly better than Cincinnati, Cincinnati Houston, Houston, at least. And, and I would say even Iowa State. Those three teams. That's fair. Those three teams. I wouldn't have pegged us to pick last, but there. again, here's what I would like to say, too. A lot of Texas bias. Look who are of all the schools, all of the Texas schools are in the top six. Texas is number one, Texas Tech is number four, TCU is number five, Baylor is number six. Uh, I'm sorry, Houston is number 12, but they're new, okay? But other than that, all the regular Texas schools are in the top six. Yeah, you really can't rank Cincinnati, Houston. Uh, UCF and who am I forgetting? Cincinnati, BYU. Houston, Thank you. Cincinnati, Houston, UCF, and BYU. Um, I, you should not rank them in your top five. 
are anyone in your top 10, especially if they're new schools. Here's like, those should be your 10 through 14 schools. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, because we don't know what they're going to do yet. We, or at least put them in the middle of the pack. Don't have anyone near your the top of your list. Yeah. Uh, UCF is the, top, is the lone school, the lone new four that uh, have broken the top 10. They're, in, they're number all eight. Hype. They're number eight. Um, Texas is all hype. Texas is all hype. I'll say that as well. Um, Which that's what Texas is every single year. It's a hype train until they get demolished in week one. It's a hype train. Texas, speaking of Texas, they return nine on their offensive side, nine starters on the offense and six on the defense, grand total 15 starters for the whole team. Um, uh, Returning production numbers, Texas is at – 85% 85% on the offense and 65 or 63% on the defense. By the numbers, I get it. But number we've seen the numbers every year. Yeah. We've seen the numbers every year. You I mean I I I won't believe it until they actually start winning, until they actually start winning big time bowl games, until they're actually contending for a conference championship. I think the biggest struggle coming out of Texas this year, especially for I would hate to be Steve Sarkeesian this year. Mm-hmm. Mainly because you have to decide if Quinn Ewers is still your guy or if you're going into the super hyped product of Arch Manning. Tell you what, he And you also have to replace B. John Robinson. You do, you do. But let me tell you, Arch Manning is third string at best. Yeah, no, he did he, not look impressive at all in spring training. He did not look impressive at all in spring game. Again, we talked about this, I think, last year. I think one of the more overhyped players, looking just looking at his stats for where for where he played at, like looked a little overhyped. I wouldn't say he was a terrible quarterback, but he certainly, in my eyes, was not a five star. Now, I for that, I'm not a professional recruiter, and I don't play stars. I don't rank players on a daily basis. Okay. But in my eyes, I wouldn't consider five star to me is just flat out phenomenal by a high school. Five star means you can start as a true freshman and not blink an eye at a at a Division one college. In Arch Manning's senior year, he played all eleven games, completed one hundred and forty out of two hundred twenty nine attempts for two thousand two hundred seventy yards passing. That's completion uh, completion percentage of about point six one percent or point six one no sixty one percent excuse mm-hmm. me sixteen point two yards average two hundred six point four yards a game with thirty four touchdowns. How many interceptions? Uh, give me one second. I just locked my phone. Two. Two interceptions with okay. a long of twenty. With a long of twenty. Interesting. That is his best QB rated, mm-hmm. uh, looking at like the NFL, where you can the highest possible score is one fifty eight point three. Yeah, he had a one thirty point three. Okay, over the entire season, so not terrible, but you have a mixed bag of talent at high school, and you can even say the same thing in college. Um, that being said, I think when we talked about it last year, we essentially said the same thing. What coach in America would not take a chance on the Manning last name? Yeah. Yeah. Um, however, let's look at a team who has the highest returning production percentage on both sides of the ball. Cole, I'll give you two guesses on who you think it is. Baylor? Nope. Kansas. It is Kansas. It is the Jayhawks. They return 91% of their offense and 80% of their defense. 
they have the highest returning production in the Big 12. That's scary. Yeah, because they because you know who they return? Jalen Daniels. We're gonna have another season of uh, Jaden Jalen. Yeah, we are. We are. No, no JT this year. No JT. Hopefully not. Anyway, he's well. He's at Rice. He's at Rice. Um, but yeah, so Jalen Daniels for Heisman or Jaden Daniels for Heisman? Jaden. Come on now. But let's be honest here, though. Let's be honest. If Jalen Daniels can take the Jayhawks, if okay, no, I hear what you're saying. If that happens, and Kansas, if the Kansas Jayhawks make it to the CFP or a well, New Year ta- Six, I wasn't talking about CFP. I was going to say top five in the Big Twelve, maybe. But I think so much of the Heisman voting, especially in years uh, like recent years, has been about. Uh, either postseason performance or like can you get your team to that level or New Year's Six Bowl appearance. Sometimes it's that or I think it's big brands with the the big time position. Absolutely. Last year yeah, last year it was a quarterback show. It was Caleb Williams, Max Duggan, um, Bryce Young and Stetson Bennett. Yeah. Those were the Heisman finalists. Okay. It's you know, though those four guys, they're all quarterbacks. Should there have been some more, maybe other positions? Yeah, I think so. Because I th- sometimes it's harder to play on the defense. I think I think d- defensive players should get a little bit more credit um, for Who Heisman. Was the last defensive? Was it Charles Woodson? I think it was Charles Woodson was the last defensive guy to win a That's win, win the Heisman. Um. um anyway, going yeah. over to Manhattan though, talking about the K State Wildcats, last year's Big Twelve uh, team, they return. Let's see here. They, re- I clicked off of it. They returned seventy three percent of their offense, and only fifty two percent of their defense. Okay. Um, they were Big Twelve champs. They do return. Uh, they do retain Skylar Howard or Witten. I'm sorry, that was Will a West Howard. Virginia coward, West Virginia quarterback. Will Howard. Uh, they do return Will Howard. But you have big holes to fill with Deuce Vaughn and Malik Knowles both going. You to do. The NFL. So that running back room looks a little, little empty, a little empty. Okay. But I have, I've got faith in Chris Kleiman. I can see Chris Kleiman absolutely, maybe not repeating, but definitely taking K State way on down the road into the Big 12 season. Absolutely. Um, absolute stunner of a year uh, last year when. When TCU, when they uh, beat TCU in Arlington for the Big 12 championship game, um, they were also, which is really funny though. Remember at the beginning of the year, Tulane beat the Wildcats Mm -hmm. early on in the year. However, Tulane was pretty good. They went on to win a New Year's Six Bowl this year against USC. Yeah, because it's Tulane. It's Tulane's too, awesome. Tulane is awesome. Roll way, roll. Um, I, I think the biggest issue for me, not even necessarily an issue, but a thing to watch out for to see if it hampers them or if they're able to retool, their defense. Um, they just lost Felix Uzama. Uzama? I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, and four starters in the secondary uh, including both your starting quarterbacks. It's going to be interesting <laughs> to see how they play that. Um, maybe a different scheme philosophy. We've seen you know, a more aggressive approach being 
taken with like a 4-3 versus a 3-4, though I think Kansas State did imply a 4-3. Yeah. Or, a, or I think they did – actually, I think they did a 5-2 mm-hmm. uh, towards the end of the season. They also returned second-team All-Big 12 uh, safety in Kobe Savage. So that will be a big addition to that, uh, Ooh, yeah. to that secondary. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so many wrestling references, guys. I'm sorry. No, it's I, I. I say it's okay. Our our listeners probably don't like it, but it's it's all right. Yeah. Anyways, um, so Kobe Savage returns from uh, K State last year. Savage had. Let me pull it up here. Excuse me, guys. While I am uh, looking at this, so while while he's looking it up. On offense, you have your entire offensive line, which was an absolute domination uh, towards the end of the season last year. All five of them returned. Um, Will Howard's back. Uh, Colin Klein is going to have a good unit to work with, but it will be interesting to see what he builds on top of. Yeah. Um, I couldn't find what I was looking for, but that's okay. So, Kansas State looks to uh, – I don't think that they are everybody's dark horse that they were last year. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got a lot of pieces to – they've got a lot of pieces to fill, so it may they may take a step back this year, and by a step back, they may not just make an appearance in the Big 12 championship game. But with a load of – like, the Big 12 is a very deep conference, so by not making the Big 12 championship game, you could still be a 9-3 and team or an 8-4 and team. Um, which would love to see an eight and four or nine and three, uh, nine and three win, but that's neither here nor there. Neither here nor there. Um, so Kansas State, I, I I can see them finishing in the top five this year, but I don't think they repeat as Big Twelve champs. Um, yeah, no, I'm I'm in the same boat with you. I think maybe a top four finish for the Wildcats. All right, Cole. Next team for you. Next team for me, um, do you want to just rip the Band-Aid off? For, for WU? No, uh, Oklahoma. Okay, I didn't, I, didn't pick, I didn't pick Oklahoma. I think they were going to have another down year this year. I didn't think they'd even make an appearance, but yeah. I think Oklahoma, it just depends on what Dylan Gabriel's able to do, um, if he's able to develop, as a lot of people have uh, said that he is. Um, but... <sighs> I'm, I'm with you. I think it's going to be a down-ish year. But Brent Venables is coming into a second-year coaching. It should be interesting to see you know, how that all plays out, if the players are able to develop, like we've seen in so many past Brent Venables teams, um, and make that leap forward in their second year. Because I know Oklahoma had a really bad year last year for that program um but you know ultimately it is what it is the worst year since 1999 i do believe uh bob stoops's first year was including a loss to west virginia they did their first conference loss to west virginia last time that the mountaineers were able to take down the sooners was in 2008 and the fiesta bowl uh 48 uh <laughs> yeah go mountaineers um but the thing about Oklahoma for me, they always make a big name in recruiting, and ever since the transfer portal has been a thing in college football, 
they've always been at the top of that list. Um, they've had a stellar year this year for the transfer portal. I know that's not really your bag, um, but Oklahoma, I'm trying to pull up their schedule to see who they start the season. Start off the season at Arkansas State, go to SMU, or uh, play SMU at home, and then go to Tulsa to open it up. So if they have enough momentum behind them, I could easily see them, uh, you know, week six, week seven, still being undefeated. I I, I think so, too. Um, I think it really depends, though, on Dylan Gabriel. We saw what happened last year when Dylan Gabriel got hurt, and they had nothing. Yeah. They got blanked by Texas in the Red River shootout, okay? 49 to nothing. They lost a lot of key members up front as well. So we'll see how long, like you said, how long Dylan Gabriel lasts out there if they haven't retooled their offensive line and, you know, uh, patch things up. Maybe it's just me, and maybe I'm, I'm dwelling too much on last year. But it just – it's uh, I mean, maybe it's Brent Venables trying to trying to rebuild after Lincoln Riley and things like that. I, I think that's part of it, but I don't look at Oklahoma like I used to and think it's not the same fear factor. It's not the same fear factor. Every, every year Oklahoma was the top team. Every year for six years straight, they won the Big Twelve, and it to me, it's just it's just interesting because it's. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just because they were terrible last year. They they lost a lot of 50-50 games, including the one against West Virginia and Morgantown. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I just don't I don't know what I don't know what it is about Oklahoma this year, but I just don't get that sense of fear. No, factor. and that's completely fair. <clears throat> I get more so of yes, they could be dangerous, but it is v- still very much so that they are a beatable team. They don't seem to be unbeatable like they were when Lincoln Riley had that team rolling, when they, when Baker Mayfield was in there, when Kyler Mur- Murray was in there, when um, Spencer Rattler was in there for that one year, and then Caleb Williams kind of came in. Last thing on Oklahoma mm-hmm. uh, before we move on, Gabriel is the most experienced quarterback in the Big 12 by far. Mm. To to me, he has, and I, I honestly I don't think it's really up for debate. He has over ten thousand yards passing and ninety five touchdowns. He's got eleven thousand two hundred five career passing yards, ninety five touchdowns on a career passing uh, completion percentage of sixty two percent. Like he's a solid quarterback when he's healthy. Yeah. Because last year he missed so much time that Oklahoma fell out of contention. They did, um, and I think, and I think what shocked a lot of people too is I think people looked at Oklahoma as like the Alabama of the Big Twelve, yeah. and they were, they were absolutely, mm-hmm. they were dominant. They won the conference every year. It was no question. Oklahoma's going to win the conference, and they're going to go play in the in the conference championship game, or they're going to go play in the college football playoffs. And <clears throat> I guess like, you know, when there when there are some teams that replace a head coach, Sonny Dykes, for example, when they re- when they replace a head coach, or they uh, or TCU, TCU, for example, when they replaced Gary Patterson for Sonny Dykes, we expected a fall off. But then there was no fall off, and any if anything, they were way better than when what 100%. Gary than what Gary Patterson had right there at the end of his tenure at TCU. 
Well, and I think Sonny Dykes also just brought an entirely different philosophy, which you you see every single time. Yeah. He brought the hype, essentially, he, to TCU. Very different, very much more laid back compared to Gary Patterson. Gary Patterson was just wound tight. Yes. Uh, he did great things for TCU, but it just, you know, in the long run, it was just time, things got stale, it was time to move on. But with Oklahoma – you don't expect them to have that fall off. Like if Nick Saban retires tomorrow, or if um, I'm trying to think of what the there was <clears throat> LSU use LSU for example. Mm-hmm. When they're one of those teams that if they switch out coaches, you just expect things to keep on rolling. You know. Uh, now I know things weren't good. I have to say things weren't good, but you guys still made a bowl game and it was bad with Ed O. Yeah. Um, but you don't expect things to fall off. Brian no, Kelly gets it. Not. Brian Kelly gets in there in second year. Boom! You're in the SEC championship game. USC starts just rolls right on with Lincoln Riley moving into town. So with Oklahoma, they're one of those programs. They are one of the blue blood blue blood programs that you expect not to fall off. That there is not a fall off. Yeah, they switch head coaches, but it's still Oklahoma. They still yeah. got that fear factor to them. They're going to do fine. And then they go and drop six games. They dropped seven games last year, including the bowl game. They finished out six and seven, losing to Florida State. Which it, it's interesting because I actually went back and uh, listened to our preseason preview uh, when Brent Venables was brought on mm-hmm. to Oklahoma, and we both thought that that was a great hire. I, I still re- think it could be a. Uh, I, th- I still think it could be a good hire. It just all depends on what. I don't know. It just all depends on. They will get a bump in recruiting when they move to the SEC. Mm-hmm. But they're just the – I don't know what it is. They're just not the same Oklahoma. Yeah. there's I don't get the same feeling from them. That's fair. And I don't know. Maybe it's just because Lincoln Riley's not there and they don't have the explosive the offense. offense. Yeah, they don't have the killer offense that they had uh, when Lincoln was there, when, when, when Lincoln Riley was there. But – I do think that they may be built more for long term than short term, if that makes any sense. Yeah, absolutely. Every you know, every year it was always explosive quarterbacks, explosive offenses. They were wonderful. Defense always lacked, and it was yeah. But you know, they didn't have to worry about defense so much when they put up fifty points a game without without yeah. Breaking when a you had a traditional Big Twelve offense, exactly. With Brent Venables, you don't have that. A very defensive-minded coach. When the defense doesn't do well, uh-oh, because the offense – and I'm not saying he doesn't build a good offense. He's got Dylan Gabriel, and that, that helped out a lot. But the offense isn't what we're accustomed to with Oklahoma. And you're not – when your defense fails and you're really relying on your defense and you didn't build up your offense like Lincoln used to – uh, it's not, good things are not going to happen. So let me ask you this, and after this we can move on to another That's fine. One. After this season, depending on, let's say Oklahoma does not post a winning record, like sneaks into a bowl game with a six-win season, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. do you think Venables is on the hot seat? No, but there will definitely be Oklahoma fans who want him to be, but I don't think he will be. I think there's there's no way that he can be. Like I would not want to be switching conferences and a coach. Yeah, trying to all in the same coach. year. So there's no way that happens. He's locked in. I think they give him two or three years in the SEC, 
and see how he does. If he shows no growth in the SEC, he's done. That's fair. Goes back to being a coordinator. Well, I mean, we all know that Oklahoma and Texas are just going to end up like the Vanderbilt. Um, Texas might be. Texas might be. Because here's the thing. If you can't if you can't win in the big – as Texas, if you can't win in the Big 12 and recruit as just te- – like, here's the thing. Texas is one of those brands where it doesn't need a conference logo behind it. Horns down. Horns down. But unfortunately, but but that's the way it is, though. Yeah. Texas, USC, Alabama, now Georgia, the those are teams that don't need a conference logo next to them. And outside of the SEC, you can also look at like Ohio State, Clemson, yeah, Michigan, Michigan, Florida State, Florida State, absolutely. Uh, those those are destination programs where uh, USC, UCLA, U- yeah, both the LA schools, Oregon now, yeah, uh, Miami used to back mm-hmm. in the old day, back in the nineties and early two thousands. Um, those are schools that don't need a conference logo next to them, and I will fully admit West Virginia is one of those schools that d- it, it it can matter what conference logo is next to them. Okay, um, they they can be a destination program, but they're not right now. Uh, but if West Virginia had that SEC logo next to them, yeah, that that would boost our recruiting a lot. But Texas and Oklahoma are one of those schools you don't need a you no. don't need a uh, logo next to it to help you recruit. Does it help? Sure, but Texas that Longhorn logo recruits for itself. If yeah, you can't absolutely. recruit right now and dominate on uh, and dominate as in the Big Twelve, what are you going to be like in the SEC? I don't know if they'll be Vanderbilt bad, but they they they're going to get a rude awakening. I think, and this goes for Texas and Oklahoma. I think both are going to come into the SEC with a lot of hype and especially with what we saw in last year's and I'm not a I'm I hate to admit it but with what we saw in last year's bowl season where the Big 12 essentially dominated the SEC in most of the bowl games most they, of the bowl games yeah um you are coming into a hyper competitive and I'm not saying the Big 12 isn't a hyper competitive conference you Texas and Oklahoma are leaving the Big 12 for the SEC, and I truly do not believe that they are ready for it. I don't think that they are going to be nearly as competitive as everyone, especially the media, makes them out to be. No. Oklahoma will be more competitive than the than Texas, but Texas is just going to have a rude awakening. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> we talked about Dylan Gabriel kind of moving on from Oklahoma now. We talked about Dylan Gabriel a little bit. All right. You know where Dylan Gabriel came from? Your favorite school, bud. The UCF Knights. And I want to talk about them. The UCF Knights are my dark horse in the Big 12. They're my dark horse in the Big 12, and I'll tell you why. Because they are slowly becoming one of those destination schools where it won't matter what logo is next to that name. When you when UCF comes a calling. They are going to come a calling. They are quickly, quickly rec- recruiting. Their the recruiting rankings are rising nationally. They are currently the number one team in recruiting in the Big Twelve. In the new Big Twelve, they are the number one team in recruiting. They return John Rice Plumley. They've got Gus Malzahn in the backfield. There, they're in Orlando. It's a bit do what. Uh, Gus Malzahn in the backfield. As, oh, I'm uh, sorry. No, Gus Malzahn is on the sidelines coaching for the Knights. <laughs> Gus Malzahn's taking handoffs. Dude. <laughs> I would love it. That would that would be great. I'm here for it. 
Um, and then they're in Orlando. UCF's in Orlando. It's a, it is a destination school. It is the largest school in the United States. And I'm telling you right now. Now, here's what I think could be UCF's downfall. They start off real hot in the middle at the beginning of the year, but they're not used to playing Power Five football. And I think they slow down a little bit, and they lose more games in the back half than they do the front half. But I could see UCF being a dark horse in the Big 12. I will freely admit this. I do not like UCF. I, For me, Alabama, Ole Miss, Auburn are our rivals. Arkansas. Arkansas, thank you. Um, Obviously, you don't care about them that much. Well, I mean, yeah, fair enough. It was it was the closest game we had against a rival school all year, except Bama, which we had to knock off in overtime. But you know, yep. um, I do not like UCF at all. I think that they are the epitome of a Texas styled school. They are all hype. Yeah, but to me, they deliver on the hype. Here's why they're all hype. Owen, what did they finish in the AAC last year? Do you know? Um, they went. I know they went to the championship game. They went to the championship game. I want to say eight and four, eight and five. Because they went and they they beat or they didn't beat Tulane. Uh, they lost. They beat Tulane early in the year, but then lost to Tulane in the conference title game. Let me clarify. What did they finish in defense in the AAC last year? Mm, th- mm. uh, I want to say 10th, 7th. Okay. Middle of the road doesn't, doesn't really raise a whole lot of concerns. You are still finishing well and truly above the bottom dregs of your conference at that point. Mm-hmm. My main concern for UCF, I like John Rice Plumley. Yeah. I think he is a tremendous athlete. Two sport athlete. Yeah. Uh, the video of him yes. coming from uh, the spring game yeah. or the baseball game going to the spring football game, wild. Yeah. Um, I think offense, they're going to fit right in. Defense, they're going to lag behind and they're going to allow – you know, those 50, 60-point games. When you do that, you are actively causing your offense to tire out quicker and you are going to lose more games that way or more shootout-style games, what the Big 12 is known for. Mm -hmm. I don't think that in their current system and setup, they're going to make it into the top three. I don't think they're making, you know, a Big 12 championship game within the next three years. I could eat my words tomorrow or at the end of the season when, you know, we see all that. But personally, I don't think their offense is set up to make a run. I think that their defense is truly not prepared and their offense is going to suffer because of that. I I think <clears> – <throat> 
I, I don't think that our offense is going to suffer because they bring in John Rice Plumley, who not only was obviously the leading passer, he's the starting quarterback, but also the leading rusher last year with 862 yards rushing. Okay, but they also bring. Um, they also return R.J. Harvey, who had 796 rushing yards last year, um, and they brought in a former five-star in Demarcus Bowman uh, after he came in from F- Clemson, Clemson and Florida. He was at Clemson then Florida, and now he he went to uh, UCF, and they bring in Johnny Richardson as well. They also have two new coordinators. Uh, offense, you have Darren Henshaw. Defense, you have Addison Williams. Mm-hmm. So you are going to have to adjust your entire philosophy on both sides of the ball at the exact same time while going into conference play. It'll be – it would surprise me if they finished um, – offensively if they finished at the top, mainly because they're trying to adjust to a new system. Mm-hmm. They also bring in on the defensive side. You're talking about their defense. I am interested to see how their tackle does. Uh, they get Amari Knight from Alabama mm. last year, who was very disruptive yeah, for the time. Um, uh, but obviously, uh, gets beat out. You got to you've got to defend it, <laughs> defend against uh, uh, Dallas Dallas Turner. I think is his name. No, will no, it's Dallas Turner. Dallas mm-hmm. Turner is the name. Uh, Will Anderson is who I'm thinking of from last year. Dallas Turner uh, last year for Alabama. But I think they kind of backfill a little bit. Now, they do get uh, Marcellus Marcellus Marshall from Kent State, so another group of five. um, Another group of five player. Poor Kent State. They got raided this year. That's neither here nor there, though. Um, and then they also get center Drake Metcalf from Stanford. Talking about getting raided uh, at the Pac-4. <laughs> mm. So. Yeah, how are we going to – I know that we're, like, in the middle of recording yeah. this episode, but how are we going to cover the Pac-12? <laughs> I figured we just co- – we're going to just cover them normal as possible. Gotcha. And then we'll – yeah, and then next year there will be no pack. It's going to be power four, power four football. That's so wild. Isn't that wild? Uh, but no, UCF is my um, dark horse or the dark knight, as you could, <laughs> as you could, as you could say. But uh, yeah, I see the knights. They can make a bigger wave than most people think. They'll definitely upset a few people this year, uh, but they'll definitely make a bigger wave. That backfield is. Stout, uh, John Rush Plumley, Stout, one of the better backfields in the Big 12. Speaking of really good backfields, let's talk about them. The VU, Mountaineers. All right. West Virginia, for the first time, for the first time since in a decade, in a decade, Cole, for the first time in West Virginia history, in a decade, like I said, we will we will have a recruited out of high school a high school recruit starting for West Virginia at quarterback for the first time since 2013 we will not have a transfer quarterback taking taking snaps under center we will have a quarterback that we recruited out of high school taking snaps whether it be Garrett Green or, or Nico, Nico Marchio both of them are recruited they are not transferred both of them have been recruited out of high school 
They've been with the program ever since they graduated high school. Um, personally, I think it would be Garrett Green who starts Absolutely. at quarterback. But talking about backfield, uh, C.J. Donaldson is back. He's healthy. He's 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 believe it or not, he's in uh, he's bigger. Uh, he is in much better shape than what he was last year. Obviously, he gets knocked out with a concussion last year and was unable to finish the season. Uh, look for him to have a big return. There's also Jaheim White and Jalen Anderson. They come in, and those are two dominant, speedy, agile backs. Now, C.J. Donaldson can be speedy, but let me tell you, he is the ground and pound. He is the – Jerome Bettis. He's Jerome the Bettis or the second coming of Owen Schmidt, the, running, yep. the runaway beer truck, okay? Um, what? <laughs> yeah, the runaway beer truck, guys. Highly recommend Owen Schmidt. Probably one of my – no, it definitely is one of my favorite players in WVU history, um, not because he shares the same name. It totally is because he shares the same name <laughs> as me. Uh, but also just the nickname is the runaway beer truck, okay? That's awesome. Look up highlights of Owen Schmidt. Absolutely insane. Regardless, though, WVU looks to have one of the better backfields this year. Uh, the receiving core, we lose Bryce Ford Wheaton, Sam James. We lost, um, trying to think of his name. Uh, it escapes me. I can't think of it. Heck on it. Um, but we bring in Devin Carter from NC State. Uh, we also have Jeremiah Aaron, Preston Fox, all fairly new to the receiving core, but that's okay. Um, I think they might turn out a little bit better. We also bring in a new um, a new wide receivers coach in Blau Marshall, so I think that'll help out a little bit as well. He's an alumni. He is not. Rashid Marshall is who you're thinking of. Gotcha. Okay. Rashid Marshall is who you're thinking of. Blau actually was listed as uh, ESPN's thirty under thirty, one of the top. Okay. One of the top thirty coaches under thirty. That's awesome. In in uh, in the United States. However, we will, Cole, mark my words, we will have the best O-line in the Big 12. We return all of our starters in Zach Frazier, who was a first-team All-American last year, who will be more than likely a late first-round pick in the NFL draft. Doug Nestor, Wyatt Milam, Jaquay Hubbard, Thomas Rymack, um, Justin Johnson Jr., Triple J., is coming back as well. Uh, we did lose uh, – his name escapes me. He went to Houston. I can't think of his name now. Uh, but we did lose a running back to him uh, to Houston as well. We averaged about 171 point, uh, 171 and a half rushing yards per game last year. Um our running backs coach, Chad Scott, is promoted offensive coordinator. Neil Brown plans on taking over offensive play calling along with helping out Chad Scott. What's Help up? you out on the name, Tony Mathis. Tony Mathis, thank you. Tony Mathis, that is who went to um, who went to uh, Houston. We also bring in we also bring in Cortez Bram. He returns, but we bring in freshman Rodney Gallagher the third, who was a four-star recruit out of high school, and we bring in LSU tight end Cole Taylor, who made the winning catch for the, for the Tigers against yep. the Tide last year. So Cole Taylor comes to help out the receiving core. Defensively, we were bad last year. 
I'll be straight up honest. Secondary was Ninth terrible. Ninth in the Big 12. Ninth in the Big 12 out of 10 teams. Okay? Um, here is what I'll say. Everybody wanted Jordan Leslie fired. I disagree. He had one bad year out of the three out of the three years that he's been there. His fourth year was his worst. Okay, he had the number at one point in time. We had the number one defense in all of the country, the number one defense, yeah, in all of the nation. Okay, which any coach that has that position, you give him an extension, exactly, and you keep him to that. Yeah, one bad year. They backfilled with a bunch of FCS talent who had a lot of game time experience, but it was FCS talent. Okay, this year they've kind of portal. We've kind of portaled a little bit better. Uh, we bring in Sean Martin, who was on the defensive line. Uh, Lee Koba returns to uh, middle linebacker. We also bring in Kent State transfer Montre Miller. We bring in Malachi Ruffin and junior Aubrey Burks, who is one of the top corners in uh, all of college football, and Jacoby Spells, who sealed the game against the. To- against the Hokies last year in the battle for the Black Diamond Trophy. So our secondary looks much more improved. There's much more experience on the secondary side. Linebacker is probably the biggest concern. Uh, Lee Koba is the uh, – Lee Koba seems to be the the one bright spot. Not saying the linebacker linebacking core is difficult or bad, uh, but it just appears that it could be a little bit weaker compared to the rest. We do lose Dante Stills. Yeah, that was my entire point on your defense is how are you going to replace the production of Dante Stills? You can't. You can't. And and that, kill, and that kills me. Is It is the end of the Stills era, for now anyways, for both Dante and Darius are now gone. And that makes me... So sad that both the Stills brothers are gone. They were phenomenal players at West Virginia. and uh, But I think Sean Martin is going to be really good on the defensive line. I look for him to lead uh, the defensive line this year. So I think the biggest criticism that I can offer on W, and I'm not saying this to be, you know I'm a hater. I will always be a hater. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hate without fail. Right. I, and I apologize. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm genuinely sorry. You're fine. Um, but we're best friends, so, you know, you got to. Um, my biggest area of concern for the Mountaineers, your head coach. Understandable. Um, just because Neil Brown is transitioning into calling plays more often than not for the offense – um, as you said, does that mean he's going to be running up and down the sidelines, our sidelines, yelling at Garrett Green like he was in the past few years? Yeah, when he's been there, when he's been awesome and productive. Um, I definitely think that if the Mountaineers don't at least post a winning record, he's gone immediately. Um, I, I would say he's going to – the bye week is going to be the telltale because here's our schedule, Cole. I don't know if you've looked at our schedule recently, gotcha. but it's rough, okay? We play four Power 5 opponents – or we play 11 Power 5 opponents this year. No oh. group of five. No group of five. No group of five. We play one FCS. Duquesne. Uh, yeah, and Duquesne. Cole, our schedule – Oh, buddy. 
Starting oh, off the no. starting off the year. It just gets worse. It does. Starting off the year. We go to Happy Valley to take on the number seven ranked Penn State Nittany Lions. You know that's going to be a whiteout game. It's not. It's actually it was announced as a uh, stripe game or something like that. Okay. Pretty much a whiteout with one single blue stripe down the middle of the stadium. Um, that's cool. At least it's not a whiteout. Um. No, um yeah. No. Seven thirty p.m. on NBC on September second. Brutal. Duquesne is next up. Feel like it's an easy win. Then we get to bring the Pitt Panthers into Morgantown to show them how we play football and beat them. Um, I th- here, here's Caroline. Okay. Um, I think that Pitt game right there is the telltale sign. Week three. Week three. Week three, circle it. Big time week. If West West Virginia is not expected to beat Penn State, okay. So if you lose there, I don't think that's a big. I say it's not a big deal, but if you lose there, it's understandable. Okay, um, you got to beat Duquesne. One you beat Duquesne yep. one and one. All right. If you lose Duquesne, you don't even make it to week three. If no. you lose Duquesne, you don't even make it to week three. All yep. right, you're done. If you but you beat Duquesne. You go to Pitt. If you lose to Pitt in Morgantown for the second year in a row, not, not in, in Morgantown, not in Morgantown, but you lose but for the, for the second you, year since the backyard brawl has been uh, re, uh, revived, revived, and you lose in your home stadium, which you know it's going to be packed. You're gone after after yeah. week three, and if you're not. You're slowly being walked out the door because yep. then you've got Texas Tech at home. West Virginia, or, uh, Neil Brown has not been able to take down the Red Raiders since he's been at West Virginia. Uh, you go to number seventeen, excuse me, preseason number seventeen TCU, and then you take on Houston uh, in Houston. All right, if you go two and three, um. Maybe three and two will save your job at that point, but I think if you go two and three or you're one done. and four, you're done. Bye week comes and you're done. You, so those first five games are going to be crucial for Neil Brown because looking at the rest of the schedule, the back half of the schedule, it's not so, it's not so tempting. You get Oklahoma State at home. You beat them last year with Garrett Green and Nico Marchio. Then you go to UCF. That could be a tough one in the bounce house. That's going to be a big game. Then you get BYU at home. You should beat BYU. You get you go to Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Should be a good win. For should West should, Virginia. It should be a 50-50 ball game. You should beat Cincinnati at home and then you get Baylor and then you got to go to Baylor at the end of the year. So the schedule eases up ha- at halfway through, not by much, but it eases up. But I'm telling you, you've got to beat you've got to beat Pitt. In order to save your job, you've got to beat Pitt, and if you don't, you're done. I yeah. think you're done. I I agree with you. Um, and I'm I'm not saying that as you know that's my one thing against West Virginia. I think there's a lot of room for improvement on the field. Yeah, but I'm like you. I think the talent is there for the Mountaineers. I just don't think Neil Brown capitalizes on it because I, I think he shoots himself in the foot by. You know, running a screen pass every what, like 
four plays yeah. and just killing any kind of chance of momentum that you can have. I want Neil Brown to succeed more than anything this season for West yeah, Virginia. absolutely. Because if he succeeds, West Virginia succeeds, and that means the football is good. And that means the past four years were just bad luck, or not bad luck, but it was just you couldn't get a quarterback, and you finally got a quarterback, and great, we're off to the races now. Which you can make the case that he had a quarterback last year in JT Daniels. He had someone who had previously accomplished a lot in college football. At two prolific programs. Yes. You see USC and Georgia. Georgia. And then all of a sudden he goes to the Mountaineers and he looks terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think all of that is on Neil Brown's shoulders. I think a lot of that is on JT Daniels. We'll see how he rebounds. Like you said, he is at Rice this year. Yeah. Um, we'll see. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say keep a close eye on it. I, I doubt that we'll be keeping close eye on seeing how JT Daniels does. We may do a little check in or something like that, but. Yeah. Um, so, West Virginia. We'll. Uh, I. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what their record. Honestly, this is one year where I. I. I usually try to guess, but I'm looking at the schedule. I. I have no idea. Like I just give up. Excuse me. I just give up on guessing. I can't tell. What's a winnable game and what's not a winnable game because we have such a brand new offense. We've got. We have got Garrett Green and Nico Marco. Now, they showed wonderful promise in the Oklahoma game, the Kansas State game, and the Oklahoma State game. They show, uh, Garrett just looked phenomenal in that game, okay? Yeah, he made a few bad mistakes, but but I just I, – I, there's no way that I think you start Nico week one no, you in Happy Valley. you got to give it to Garrett. you got to give it to Garrett, in my opinion. He just seems to be the more experienced – Nico may turn out to be the better quarterback in the long run, but you just—I I, give—I I, Garrett has earned it, and may—I'm not seeing what's going on in practice. Practice, but just from what I'm hearing, what I saw in the spring game, it's—it's it's Garrett Green, man. Yeah. It's—it's it's Garrett Green. And I will say that one pass that Markiel had, I think it was in the—I th- want to say it was in the second half about midway through for Oklahoma State against Oklahoma State no 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 um in the spring game in the spring game okay um he threw a absolute dot um in the spring game and I was impressed by that but one play doesn't constitute an entire season no because the rest of the rest of the time he it was they were off kilter the game seemed still too fast for him and things like and he played better in his freshman game than he in his freshman Absolutely. spring game than he did this spring game, yeah, um, he played great. He looked better against Towson last year than he did this spring game. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, he throw. He looked good in against Oklahoma State. He did have a touchdown throw there. So we'll see how how it um, how it works out. But I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know for the Mountaineers. I don't know what I'm expecting this year. I don't know if I should expect a bad team. I always stay hopeful because I always drink the Kool-Aid and I can't help it. It's Yeah, so we'll see. Yeah, Um, we'll see. We'll see. I I genuinely have no idea. I mean, I think that's a completely and totally fair um, statement. Um, And and 
I'm truly not bragging on LSU. I know we'll get to the SEC episode here in a bit. We were ranked number five yeah. in preseason. I don't think we deserve it. I think that is overhype. Um, I know. Really? Yes. Interesting, because I don't think it's overhype. I think it's underhype. Thank you. I appreciate that. That being said, I don't think that... I know we'll get into it later, but for various reasons, let, let me just leave it at this. For various reasons, I don't know if LSU is going to be as competitive and as much of a sleeping giant, I think. Not underdog, but... Sleeping if, giant. There's yeah. a difference. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. Um, if you poke them, you know, we'll come out and surprise you in big games like against Bama. That being said, we got curb stomp in the SEC championship game and by Tennessee last year. Yeah. So we'll see. Yep. Uh, so that's it for the Mountaineers. Moving on, Cole. I've got two more teams left. Um, let's let's go. To, let's talk to about one. Let's talk about one team that you want to talk about. I think, man. You know what? You know what team I would love to talk about, Ellen? Which team? The Baylor Bears. Ooh, interesting. Blake Shapen returned in the Big 12 title game. Didn't necessarily have the best of times. Especially last year. But I think that their offense is going to be much improved this year. I think their backfield has a little bit more depth than it did last year, which I know is kind of a controversial take. But under Matt Powledge on their defense, which is what I'm looking at mostly, I think that they're going to rank on the top of the Big 12. Uh, honestly, I picked Baylor to be my dark horse this year in the Big 12, hmm. which is very shocking and very surprising. Um, in the preseason poll for Baylor, I just pulled it up. Hold on. Sorry. I have the, I have the preseason poll pulled up here. Uh, Baylor had – they had zero first place votes. They were picked to finish sixth in okay. the Big Twelve this year. Um, no, I think that ultimately Baylor is relying a lot on their transfers. Um, another one that they're looking at is Sawyer Robertson, mm -hmm. uh, transferred out of Mississippi State. Um, they got in two BYU offensive linemen in Clark and Campbell Barrington, uh, Arkansas receiver in Keytron Jackson, and Liberty linebacker Mike Smith. Um, all those are likely starters. They also have Dominic Richardson from Oklahoma State. We covered him, I think, in, uh, I want to say, year before last when he was tearing it up. But ultimately, I think Baylor could surprise a lot of people this year. Um, I think that this team is earmarked for at least a you know nine win season. I think they were in a sophomore. I think Randall was in a sophomore slump last year. You don't disrespect my boy. Like no, that. no, 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 no. I'm saying, I'm saying. I think there was just a sophomore slump. I. <laughs> I don't understand why people are so disappointed with Gary Bohannon. I thought he played great for the Bears. Mm -hmm. 
I ne- I did not think Blake Shapin was the better quarterback. Mm-hmm. I think that was a bad decision by Aranda. They, I think it was a really bad decision by Aranda. Blake Shapin did not, to me, was not the better quarterback. I thought Gary Bohannon would have been the better quarterback, but apparently not, not to Dave Aranda. Um, you know, the Bears do lose Squirrel Williams uh, to Texas, I do believe, is where he goes to. So that's a big, that's a big loss for the receiving core. You know... I think the one thing, and I, I know you're in the middle of making a point, but at the same time, Blake Shapin is coming into his junior year. Jeff Grimes runs a pro-style offense. We've seen Blake Shapin. He is as solid as a pocket passer as you can get. He can lead this team. I think Baylor is poised for that nine-win season this year. And okay. I, I may or may not be biased towards Dave Aranda, that's my boy. Go Tigers. Um, but at the same time, I think he's solid. I, I think I don't he's a solid coach. I think to, he's a solid coach. I think if a quarterback battle comes down to it, Shapin wins just because Sawyer played in that air raid style at Mississippi State. Yeah. And Shapin's been there longer. So, Understandable. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I, I think the Bears could upset a lot of play. I don't know if there'll be a um, – Championship contender or dark horse, but they definitely can. They can. De- they could definitely. I could see them ruining some people's seasons. I think they're picked to finish right where I would pick them, right there sixth. Yeah, just outside the top five. To me, yeah, I that's fair. I don't. I don't question that whatsoever. Um, let's go a little bit north, ninety miles north of Waco. Let's go to the Horn Frogs, TCU. We talked about a little. We talked about them a little bit uh, earlier. How Max Duggan is out. Chandler Morris is in. He was supposed to be in last year until he got hurt. Max Duggan comes in and we lights the world on lights fire. Lights the world on fire. We know what happens there. So let's answer this question, Cole. If Max Duggan, the backup, was that good, what is Chandler Morris going to be like? I'm pulling up his previous stats. Uh, heartbreaking news for the Saints as Kendra Miller is expected to miss the entire season with an MCL tear. Oh, Cole, you know about MCL tears, don't you? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> as he clenches his knee. Ah. Um. Okay, so in 2021, he went uh, his most prolific year passing. Um, that being said, he, I don't think, started a single game. Um 2021, Chandler Morris went 50 for 76, 65.8 for the completion percentage, 695 yards passing, and three touchdowns with a long of 63. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a sophomore. He's a Texas boy. I don't stop. Stop. Horns down. Horns down. What? What do you? What is? What is that? That's the horn frog. Oh. That's the horn frog. Oh, I thought we were doing the hypnotid. Um No, I, I think Sonny Dykes holds I, they are losing a lot. They, they have a lot of offense. They only return they only return thirty three percent production 
or thirty three percent of their production on the offensive side. They return seventy one percent on the defense, so they can take a big step forward on defense. But they return only thirty three percent production on the offensive side of the ball. That is the lowest in the Big Twelve. That is the lowest. The next lowest lowest is forty two percent. That's with Cincinnati. Yeah, I think Sonny Dykes holds this team together, and. I think maybe we see a little bit of regression this year. I don't think you're going to see them in the uh, natty. But I think that this team is built to last, and uh, Sonny Dykes recognizes that. He recognized it last year and made that championship run uh, on the back of a truly remarkable TCU team. Um, But this year we see a little bit of regression, um, maybe middle of the road which I think is perfectly acceptable for a TCU team last year who exceeded well and truly above expectations. Yeah. Uh, the Frogs on the offensive side of the ball in the backfield, they bring in Trey Sanders from Alabama and JoJo Earl from Alabama as well. So they're backfilling and really putting in the work on that uh, – in that backfield, and it's making TC Sunny Dykes is making TCU like that's two Alabama transfers from Alabama. You're making that a little bit more of a destination place with TCU with Sunny Dykes there. Now they have to return. They have to um, replace Quentin Johnston, who was a beast last year for the Horn Frogs. They replace him with six foot five senior Savion Williams. He only had 29 grabs last year, but did have a hundred percent contested catch rate really so in 50 50 balls he was a hundred percent in catch in th- catching those tcu is ranked number 17 in the preseason poll um honestly i don't think it's disrespectful to rank them that low because you're losing so much offensive and defensive production to the nfl draft and just to the transfer portal in general mm-hmm. um maybe 12 is what I would have had him at, just because of their number two finish last year. Um, 17 is a very, very harsh decline. That being said, they're still ranked. They are still ranked. Um, but it's hard because you lose so much on the offensive side. That's 33%. And that's... That's a steep hill to climb. Th- that is a steep hill to climb. Um you're going to really have to rely on your defense a little bit more this year. Now, maybe you won't have to. Maybe Chandler Morris lights the world on fire better than, you know, more than Max Tugger did. Excuse me. <laughs> oh, gosh. Bless you. Thank you. Bless you. TCU is also predicted to finish fifth in the Big 12 this oh, year. Oh, yeah. I, I, I fully expect them to contend yep. for another Big 12 title. Next up, we're going to go to another team that's got three letters, Cole. B-Y-U. The Cougars. The Holy Rollers themselves. The Holy Rollers. In, <laughs> the Holy Rollers of Provo, Utah. Oh, my <sighs> gosh. What about BYU, Owen? Um, they're going on a mission, Cole, but not the mission <laughs> that they get sent on. They are going... <laughs> They're tell they're waking up in the morning. They're telling all these other college teams, "Hello, um, my name is Kalani Sataki." Uh, 
I really hope that we have some Book of Mormon or people who just musical theater in general. Yeah, some musical theater fans who know what we're talking about. Anyways, <laughs> they are being they are on a mission this year, and like I said, they're not being sent on the mission. They are on a, they are on a different mission this year. Um, they bring in. Keaton Slovis from Pitt last year, who had a very unimpressive season at the Panthers. They bring him in uh, for BYU. Let's see if Kalani Sataki can work his magic up there in Provo with Keaton Slovis. But uh, Kalani Sataki, solid coach for the Cougars, done really well. Uh, They have to replace Jaron Hall, unfortunately, for the Cougars, who did really well for them last year. They do have to bring in... um, I will say, uh, while we're talking about offense, mm-hmm. Cody Epps and Chase Roberts, uh, two names that likely won't light the world on fire, but should offer uh, Keaton Slovis definitely at least a safety valve there. Yep. Uh, and then offensive line, he returns. I know they, they don't return a ton, but they do return uh, Waylon LaPau. I think is how you say it. Uh, Waylon LaPau at O-Lyman. He's from Utah State. Uh, he did transfer in here, but he played 13 games for the Aggies last season as a true freshman, and he's going to come in and kind of joins a you know a little bit more of a deeper offensive line room. He deepens it, adds a little bit more depth this year. But look for him to uh, look for him to to really kind of make some noise. I say make some noise, but make no noise in the fact that he protects the quarterback, and they're not going to have a ton of sacks this year. Um, new starting quarterback, new starting running back, new defensive staff. I think that's the the summary of BYU right now. They do open their schedule against Sam Houston, which I'm not crapping on Sam Houston. Um, I think that they're a halfway decent school. Well, they were championship. They won national championships at the FCS level, so they are one of the better teams. That being said, BYU should absolutely start their season off with a win. Absolutely. They also bring in UConn transfer Keelan Marion at wide receiver, so that helps as well. Um, he racked up 474 yards for the Huskies last year. So again, that gives us that gives you another that gives Keaton Slovis another weapon out there on that outside in the receiving core. But they're kind of in a position of they just joined a conference and it was just that time that everybody left. They either graduated or some of them transferred. Um, and I think they just kind of have, they're going to have to start off fresh a little bit. Now that again, they do return some of the O line, so that will help. But We'll see. You kind of you're not replacing a coach, but I mean, you might as well be with as many new people as you've got coming back. Also, I, I don't know if you touched on it yet or not. BYU was picked eleventh. Um, oh, they were for the Big Twelve. They were picked eleventh for the Big Twelve. So it'll be, and I, I think that's absolutely fair. I think that goes back to what we were saying, where you know. New faces, new places. Yeah, yeah. We'll and just have to that's see. That's the story of BYU this year. I think Cincinnati, Houston, and BYU, UCF should have been picked uh, at the bottom as well for the preseason poll because we don't know how they're going to do. This is, yeah. I think this is the one year that we really don't know how teams are going to pan out. Last year we thought we knew how teams would pan out. But 
And then TCU went on a run. And TCU went on a run, and so did Kansas there for a little while. Like it, it was a big surprise. And this year, it's just throw it out the window. We have no and idea. Honestly, really, so did West Virginia. Uh, if you had told at me the at the start of the season, if you had told me at the beginning of the season that we went neck and neck with Pitt, had a chance to win the game, um, that we would beat Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and we beat Baylor in a Thursday night game in a shootout, I'd been like, hey, where's that Big Twelve trophy? Where's and, the Big 12 championship at? And Kansas. Like, I know that that was kind of uh, – you didn't beat Kansas, but you kept it competitive under um, – especially with that new look offense. You have Jalen Daniels uh, at Kansas. You know, you kept it as close as you possibly could, and you had excellent quarterback play for one game. I just remember you sitting on my couch and crying. Oh, it was awful. That was it was terrible. That was, that was, was so bad. I forgot we were sitting here. Right, that's right because we pulled it up on the big screen and we were watching it. Mm. Mm. Um, but it's a wild year in the Big Twelve. It's a deep league, and we're gonna have a lot of fun this year watching the Big Twelve. Absolutely, uh, football next week. Um, I'm going through my ABCs. Hold on, I am going through my ABCs. We may do an ODAC preview because ODAC is, would be our would be lineup here. Okay. I uh, uh, I think it's. ACC, Big Ten, Big Twelve, Pac Twelve, yeah, SEC. I think that's it. Yeah, Pac Twelve <laughs> of the Power Five. The Pac Twelve will be next. Um, we'll see if we can slip in a little bit of an ODAC preview in okay. there. Um, but Pac Twelve preview we will be next for the Power Five programs. This will be last year. Well, we'll see. We'll see. We th- pretty sure the Pac Twelve's dead. Maybe by this time next year they've it, we've made it like a. A, a, a new pack eight. a pack eight. Who knows? Maybe there'll be another. Maybe a, a new Pac twelve or four. who knows? Maybe the AAC gets the autonomy five, the yeah. the power five label. We'll we'll see. Um, maybe it just sticks to power four conference. Who knows? Um, but yeah, exciting year for the Big Twelve. Absolutely. New teams, uh, fun stuff. But for that, I'm Owen Spelnick. My name's Cole Connor, and this was the Big Twelve edition of the Panther Pod.